Hello, it's Basic Snitches time. I'm Tara. And I'm me. That's Adam. <laughs> Hi, Adam. Hi. <laughs> All right. We're prepared this time. Ish, because prepared is a big word. Hey, ahead of today, we both read our chapters. We both made our notes. You I, know, the thing we wanted to be doing, exactly. but sometimes life happens, and by that I mean always. Yeah. We have our uh, recaps written. Yes. And I have who I'm actually going to give my points to. Yay, it's, us. Instead of having to edit out a minute of pause when I think of whoever I'm going to actually See what happens to. when we get there. <laughs> yes. Love you. We've made it. So we are having some Pinot Grigio tonight. Yes. In these amazing wine glasses. They say meow or never and they have little cat ears and whiskers and a heart nose and it's very cute they were a gift from uh friends of mine a couple years ago and i am sharing my wine with adam in them yeah yay and which is very appropriate because we're both cat people i have two cats and tara has a cat i do and speaking of cats we are actually recording at a place where there could potentially be a special guest or two or three with four legs. Um, <laughs> one of them just started trying to speak. <laughs> so we are here with Betty and Bart, two cats who have all the personality in the world. And then Bailey, a wonderful yellow lab who is probably going to get mad at us at some point because we're not giving her snacks. Or attention. Or attention. So if you hear from them, um, they're here. And perhaps... You'll get to meet them. Right now. I don't know if the mic is picking that up, but they're fighting in the background. Yay. My cats are very quiet. And we did an episode at Tara's house, too, and her cat was very quiet. Also, all of these animals begin with B. Yes. We can never record anywhere where there are no animals that begin with B. That's right. That's a new rule. Unless there are zero animals. Done. Yeah. Baxter, Busby, Berkeley, Bailey, Bart, Betty. Yeah, all that's bees. all the bees. So if we ever end up recording not at our houses or our friend Natalie's house, the mom of Betty, Bailey, and Bart, you either have to have zero pets or we can't record. Yeah. Like we just, it's just not going to happen. For this episode, we read uh, chapter seven, The, the Sorting, Sorting Hat. Hat. And I have an outline for Adam. Oh, yes. It's my turn to read. His turn to read. Take it away, Adam. All right. Here we go. The Sorting Hat. Oh yeah, McGonagall is back. Who's McGonagall? I know who McGut is. Don't interrupt my cool thing. I wrote a really great thing. Rude. She, she greets the students and leads them through the castle and explains each of the houses. Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Slytherin. While they wait to be sorted, random ghosts come through the wall, which basically just adds to the whole being in an unfamiliar place and also a huge-ass castle setting. They enter the Great Hall... And listen to a, a hat sing a song, which is a little anticlimactic, but a clever song filled with rhymes and exposition and stuff. Some people are sorted to rate help. Nope. Some people are sorted to Raven. I did it again. Some people are sorted to Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. Those are the words that you read, not Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. Some people are sorted to Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, and after that, you never hear about those students ever again. <laughs> Harry's name is called. Everyone gets quiet as he is walking to the front to be sorted. Then he tells the hat what he wants, and poof, he is... He's in Gryffindor. Oh, so is Ron. Yeah, they don't mention Ron. 
at all. We'll get there. Uh, food, yes, food appears out of nowhere because Magic and Dumbledore says some random words. Ron insults the Gryffindor ghost. Sir Nick, because he's an 11-year-old boy with no tact. We meet Dean, Seamus, and Neville, who are going to be Harry and Ron's roomies, and they all eat way too much sugar. Harry suddenly notices one of the teachers staring at him and he finds out it's Professor Snape who clearly does not like him for whatever reason. Then Dumbledore has a speech, housekeeping, absurd rules, questionable statements, boring remarks, well, <laughs> everyone sings the school song which needs better lyrics than they, they had, oh, Everyone sings the school song, which needs better lyrics. Then they head towards Gryffindor Tower for the night. Happy first day at Hogwarts. Well done. Yay. Oh, so what I was saying, they do everything in alphabetical order. They they sort Harry, but then they don't even mention Ron. They do mention Ron. They do? Yeah. Oh, I think I remember them not even including him. Let's see. Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. I skipped ahead a little bit. Now there are only four we people left Potter. assorted. Dean Thomas, Ron's turn. Yeah, it's in there. You know what? I might have like skipped a page. Literally skipped a page. So so okay. so, so much for preparing. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, Lisa Turpin. I completely missed her. Whoever the fuck she is. Yeah. She's a Ravenclaw. Yeah, because uh, you know what? If you skip that page entirely. So where shall I put you? He was pale green by now. Harry crossed his fingers under the table, and a second later, the hat shouted Gryffindor. Jesus That's Christ. That's what happens if I skip that entire page. Oh, wait, because your book is different than mine. You have the Philosopher's Stone. Oh, yes. yes. I have the green. Oh, yes, I don't have my, my copy of yeah. mine with me today. I have my I book s- that I beat the fuck out of. I skipped the whole, a whole page. Yeah, I, I know. have no excuse for that. Oh, well. Oh, well. Hooray. Okay. So... Continuing with the theme of all kinds of magic and just immersing ourselves into it. I love coming to Hogwarts. Uh, just amazing. I always think of when people say Hogwarts will always welcome you home. I don't. I always picture the Great Hall. Oh, yeah. It's literally one thing after another that basically creates the basis of what Hogwarts will become. Oh, look, a blue jay. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving that in. The name of this episode is Oh Look a Blue Jay. Good. He's very pretty. <laughs> oh good, you're distracted. <laughs> no. Oh Look a Blue Jay. Okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. No, it, It's true. We've talked a lot about momentum. But now it's like, okay, we're definitely in magic land where we can expect things to be magical and things that we typically take for granted like transportation like i mentioned in the last episode or in this case food or whatever yeah it is. it's it's just very it's warm and cozy yes, yes and it's all of the things about hogwarts that you really wish were real yeah i love that so much when i wrote the the outline the very first thing that happens in this chapter is McGonagall opens the door and I'm like, yes, because she's she she's someone we've already met. So uh-huh. it's just like, yes, McGonagall. And she's just McGonagalling all over shit already. Like she's throwing shade at Harry. Er, I'm sorry. She's throwing shade at Neville and Ron because Neville's cloak is clasped weird and Ron, it's like dirt on his yeah. face. And, and I'm just like, 
Yes, I am so happy to see McGonagall and we are not holding back because we've been looking at this so closely. It feels like forever since we last saw McGonagall. Yeah. So I, I, I even that. think back to our first episode where we talked about how Dumbledore lost points in that episode or he lost the chapter in that episode because he left a baby on a stoop, you know, and... By contrast, McGonagall is sitting on the wall all day trying to be the responsible one. And we'll get a little bit of that again here. You even said that in future chapters we will pick up on these personalities again. And it's not a surprise to us because we've met them at that point. And I just think that's so super awesome. Yeah, it's very suitable for this chapter because you see McGonagall being the strict... I was going to say motherly, but uh, maybe she's not so motherly. That's not yeah, the right word. Like, yeah, that's not. She's like the, the rule enforcer. And then you can still see Dumbledore be the, the wacky. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's just like the fun uncle where you're like, I'm not, I can't really take him seriously. And then he does one thing and you're like, hold on. Yeah. You're like, Uncle Mark, you're actually cool. And you're not just a weirdo, you know? Do you have an Uncle Mark? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I have an Uncle Dan who I'm literally thinking of right now because Uncle Dan just says all kinds of crazy shit. And then you have a conversation with him you're like, you're really smart and freaking great, you know? Yeah. We get, like, so much fun of Dumbledore's reintroduction in this chapter where he's just like, ha ha, here are my awkward words. And then later he's like, here's your welcome speech. Also, scary shit is in this school. Which, by the way, like, no one seems to, he just, like, gives this speech. No one reacts to it. Which is, I mean, we'll talk about the movie later, but Harry <laughs> totally exactly reacts in the movie. Facial, like, and he's the only one who right? reacts in the which movie. Is, which is brilliant, <laughs> and I don't know how that, you know, came to be because it, it doesn't actually say that there's any sort of like internal monologue or whatever that he's like, wait, what? But it's, it is something that as we're adults looking at it, like, okay, this is a little alarming and, and whatever that you don't have any sort of reaction in the pages. Although there is an, it actually comes when they're singing the school song when Dumbledore's like, oh, we're going to sing the school song. And it says all the teachers are like, you could tell that they weren't into it, but they smiled anyway. Yeah. I'm like, that's when you get the, the response that is maybe like, huh? This is this is not what I want. It's literally the teachers being like, "Yeah, I love school songs." This is the tradition. Like it's just it's just it's funny. I mean, it is it's it's amusing when you look at it from this perspective because I know that I never thought of it that way before. A response to there not really being too much of a reaction. Maybe this is something else that I dreamed up. <laughs> okay, well, you can always edit. Don't one of the Weasley boys say something like, "Well, we all knew to avoid the forest." Because there's a lot of creatures that are there. Maybe it was Percy. Percy says it was something Percy. later in the chapter. Yeah. Which, I mean, makes sense. It's that called kind of, the Forbidden Forest. Her, Percy brings it up. And it's are you like, talking about how Percy is like, I, Dumbledore would have at least told the prefects. Yes. It's, it is in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. There's He's that like, moment. You know, I wonder. Like, um, what's that about that hallway? Don't go there unless you want to die. Because Dumbledore says um, the third floor corridor on the right-hand side is out of bounds to anyone who does not wish to die a very painful death. Harry laughed, but he was one of the few who did. He's not serious, he muttered to Percy. Must be, said Percy, frowning at Dumbledore. It's odd because he usually gives us a reason why we're not allowed to go somewhere. The forest is full of dangerous beasts. Everyone knows that. 
I do think he might have told us prefix at least. So yes, that's where you're yeah, getting that idea yeah. from. So there is a little bit of a reaction and it which is like it's kind of like an aftermath. But you're like, um, I like that it's the students who are like <laughs> Huh, maybe. Why is this an issue? Yeah, well, whereas the professors are like so used to. But you're in the children's, like you're with them. You're it's in their story, so yeah. Probably McGonagall is thinking. Oh, come on, Jesus! Bumblebar. Another We're like, can't I just come here and teach? Don't worry about everyone potentially dying. Thanks. Well, I wonder too. Prior to this, Harry being at Hogwarts is a big deal in many ways. Of course, he's famous and. And whatnot, but then these seven books are about what is going on now that he's back and yeah. the rise of Voldemort back to power. So because there is that foreboding stuff going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. I think perhaps some of this could be a little bit new. Up oh, there's the first time he's on the table. Bart, you're gonna lose so many points this episode. He's cute. Yeah, I guess. So, so perhaps some of these things are a little bit out of the ordinary as well, because Harry's back. I well, think in that third some, floor corridor, Percy makes that point. I think he would have at least told us prefects. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, the people running the school are like a dozen adults and older, and then there's some older students that are basically helping. Mm-hmm. So you probably would want to include a lot of important information in what you're telling the prefects. Yeah. So that's a good point. And obviously we find out that is very actually directly related to Harry. Yeah. That is very of, fascinating because it's like a backdoor thought. You're just like, oh, wait, hold on. This is... Yeah. This is why. Okay. I love that. Rereading this, something that occurred to me is that originally perhaps the books were meant for children, but now adults read them. <laughs> well, and adults analyze them. Also, people just love to analyze the shit out of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, and in this in particular, because it's a children's book that is, I think, perhaps more open to analyzation than some other series or other books. This first one really gives you everything that you need. We talked a lot about previous characters and things that happen that are alluding to something that will happen in the future. For example, the way the chapter ends, which is him having this dream about a flash of green light and the turban on the back yeah, of the Yeah, the coral snape like, merging thing. Yeah. This is some of the early signs that we see of Voldemort communicating to Harry. And this is, of course, a very big spoiler alert. <laughs> what? But the the fact that there is a piece of Voldemort's soul in him, you know? Oh my god, spoiler. <laughs> I, all right. Oh, <laughs> uh, we see it in future chapters, too, of, of Voldemort trying to communicate through Harry or alter his thoughts in some way. And there is no way at this point, other than a distant memory when his parents died, of him knowing about Avada Kedavra either. Like, there is this green flash of light and the symbolism of something wrong with Quirrell's turban. Um, It's funny that the turban keeps coming up, too, because I don't think that Harry really has anything to worry about the turban. There's been no evidence at this point. Snape is the one who kind of freaks him out. But I think what you were saying about this connection to Voldemort is the turban is there for the symbol of it. Oh, yeah. But the focus on Snape is because Harry just had this experience at the feast of having this person he doesn't know just, like, glare at him. And then he had, like, that sharp pain 
in his scar, which was while he was looking at Snape. So he immediately, you know, connects that with it. That's a good point. That it's, it's the Snape and the scar right. hurting. Which, the first time you read this book, you're like, oh. Because these are children's books and you're given everything that you need. But you don't know it unless you go back and read it. I don't necessarily think that the turban is any sort of significance other than it being a foreshadowing mechanism, I guess. I don't think the first time reading this, I wouldn't notice it as much. It's something that is popping up a lot more now that I know what happens. Mm-hmm. So another thing that I found really interesting about the chapter, because we are picking up on things now in this instance that has happened in previous chapters that show some of Harry's character. For example, when they are approaching the Great Hall and McGonagall is saying that there will be a test or someone says that there will be a test. We see some of Harry's inner monologue too that is very much like how a child thinks. So that made me think of what you brought up at the end of the letters to no one where they're Mm -hmm. at the shack Mm -hmm. and it's approaching Harry's birthday and he is kind of going off the stream of consciousness of, oh, I'm going to be 11 in a couple minutes. And it's something similar here. He is overthinking the test. Then he says how nervous he is, too, and that he's never been nervous, this nervous in his entire life, even when he gave some bitch blue hair. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. And it's very similar here. He's already, in just these last few days, coming into the magical world and realizing who he is. He is wanting to prove something. Like he, he's, he wants to have more of a belonging, I guess. Yeah. And I think the nervousness is thinking that he's going to blow whatever the test is. It also goes back to in his Hogwarts letter, it said, you have a place where you belong. I think it's very interesting because you focused on the style of it, kind of, you know, how this is part of Harry's personality to be a child and and have all these thoughts, wild thoughts that kind of melt into each other. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how he also, in in his fear of fucking up the test, he actually has this active thought of what if there's a mistake? Mm. You know, again, going back to he's got that feeling of unworthiness in him. Like, I can't be special. I can't be special. And, you know, the conversations he has with Hagrid and Diagon Alley. Like, how am I special? What What is the big deal about me? And now, with Hagrid, it was one thing. Here, it's in front of everyone. Yeah. You know? And just, really to, just to be a child who thinks that way, I just think is fascinating. And again, the further we get from the Dursleys, the more we'll see Harry come into his confidence and yeah. come into who he is. But there's still the Dursleys hanging over him. Yeah, that's, so. that's a really good point. Because something else that I wrote here is that at some point he does lose that nervousness and shame. The Sorting Hat, I believe it's in the book, but because again, I say this every single episode, the movie sometimes colors what, what I'm thinking. <laughs> but the, the Sorting Hat even said, like, you're so eager to prove yourself. And you have so much to show. And I think perhaps some of that comes from... This nervousness, the adrenaline can be a very good thing. Yeah. Perhaps it is in this instance too. But as we know, like as this the trio grows, and uh, we even talked in the last episode about how Hermione at first is so snotty. She even in this chapter, she's very much establishing herself as this like know it all. Know it all. Yeah. But both her, I mean, all three of them 
she comes into her own later in this book, even, is when she kind of starts her transformation. Yeah. And Harry becomes a little careless about what people think. That's not the best way to say that, because careless isn't the right word for that. He he doesn't care about, I mean, especially looking once we get to the second book, Jesus, like yeah. how he has to deal with all of that. And he goes from being this person who's like, but I don't understand why I'm a celebrity to a person who was like, this is just what I have to deal with. I hate it, but it is what I have to yeah. deal with, you know? And so that's very fascinating. Kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And of course, and him getting through his first year. Mm-hmm. Even with his lessons, though, like, obviously Ron and Harry aren't known as, as being the scholars yeah, that Hermione gonna, are. I'm going to need them to get they, their shit together. But they... <laughs> but they prove themselves in other ways. Yeah, well, and and that is kind of the brilliance of a school, literally like any sort of school that does not just focus on you have to learn these eight subjects and be adept at all of them. Like when they have, when you go to like trade school or something, focusing on what you can yeah. learn as a person. And I don't know, I've never, I've never gone away to like a, whatever, whatever they call it. A boarding school, or yeah, like a boarding we, school yeah, or whatever. Like school. they, like they have in England. I don't know what that is like. And at the same time, I don't know. I didn't, other than like the one semester I spent on campus at, at Wright State. I feel like that's part of what the college experience is having most of it social, but having all the extra things that go on. You mm-hmm. know, whereas if you're if you're structuring yourself off of like American high school, when you're 25, you don't give a shit about physics like unless you went into physics or something that has to you don't care about that yeah and here like harry and ron have made it clear they don't care about history of magic but obviously through the series you see oh i'm sure people it's the worst i I think it's the professor but you know people you throughout the series they come into this other level of skill and even though this is a school it is celebrated in its way i suppose at the end of this book, Hermione even says, and again, the movie is coloring me, but during the chess game in the movie, <laughs> she says the thing about, like, books and cleverness, that's not so important. It's, it's very similar in the book, too. So yeah. it's, it's basically the same idea. Yeah. And so through that, we see the transformation of Hermione. And I think that gets back to how the boys are behaving now. Like... In the next chapter, they are already kind of over some of their classes. I know that I just got all depressing being like, Harry doesn't think he's worthy and blah, 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 and getting away from the Dursleys, though. In kind of a contrast to that, he is more comfortable asking questions to essentially a classmate. This is kind of the most we really get from Percy until like several books from now Mm -hmm. as far as interacting with harry directly because percy is the one who's there percy and harry have this exchange about whether or not dumbledore is serious about the corridor you know he makes the statement about oh i thought i would know and all of that and i just i really like that it does show that harry is able to ask a question because it is a nice contrast coming out of the fact that literally earlier in the chapter he was like what if there's a mistake i I don't belong here. I'm not good enough. So, I don't know. It's just the thing that makes me smile, I guess. Um, mm. Actually, that whole sequence when they're when they're having dinner and you get to meet 
old Harry's roommates. You know, like you get to meet all these people for the first time, and you get to hear the parentage and and all of that, and you get Neville's little bit. That is a uh, big part Neville. of what I wrote. All I wrote was Neville's story, I just, but <laughs> because you get Neville's story so early, and then you forget about it because you're so focused on everything else. Yeah, and you get that, and you're just like, oh, Neville, I love you. I just love overall meeting all of them. This. This story about Neville, like you said, I mean, it gets lost (laughs) very, very quickly. He isn't the main character, but I think we already learned so much more about Neville than we do about Hermione, even. Like, up oh, to this absolutely. Point, we ne- don't we don't know Hermione's parents or dentists. No, yet. Neville is a lot more at the forefront. We just know Hermione likes to be known as smart. It's very cool. It's just very cool to to see how these characters are introduced and where they fall into the story later. Like, the first time I read the books, I don't remember what I thought was going to happen with all of them after this chapter. I don't know. I just think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the Sorting Hat song? Yeah, that's another thing I wrote down. Yay! Can you imagine if this were in the movie? Um, I will tell you, the Sorting Hat song, way better than the school song. Um, okay. The Sorting Hat needs to rewrite the lyrics to the school song. I was thinking while this was happening. Okay, couple things with this. First of all, I love the school song because it's so fucking stupid. Because school fight songs are so fucking stupid. This is true. And the fact that Dumbledore is like, sing it in whatever tune you want. And so the Weasley twins choose a funeral dirge. Like, I adore it. It's it's such a great thing. The Hogwarts song, I think I almost like a little bit more because the hat song, it's kind of like, okay, so this hat... Not only chooses where we go, but it also sings a song. Like, this has happened every year. It's I, it's a little bit more strange. But the other thing I wrote about this is that the hat isn't a hufflephobe. The hat loves the Hufflepuffs. He doesn't say anything bad directly about any of the hats. Oh, which is good because he's he has to be impartial. And this is the first character, I think, that doesn't like shit on Hufflepuff. Because the Sorting Head is fucking great. Uh, and Hufflepuff he, is fucking great. It has to be impartial. Yeah. Hold on. Let me Can see. we talk about how Hufflepuff, literally, he also basically says Hufflepuffs are brave, too? Yeah. Loyal, I love that. Loyal. Hold on one sec here. They're loyal, and those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Like, that's beautiful. I almost yeah, feel like Hufflepuff he's love. saying that... They're unafraid of being there for you. And it it's the whole, goes back to the loyal thing and being a good friend. But that's where we really learn, like, this is what the personality of a Hufflepuff is. We don't see that anymore else. Everybody else kind of throws them away. Yeah. Last episode, we talked about Slytherins also kind of being shit upon. Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends, those cunning folk, use any means to achieve their ends. This kind of, I guess, gets into, like, what I had talked about last time, in that the ambition thing can be seen as a good thing or an ad thing. Yeah, you're not wrong. And here is where it's like they'll use any means to get to their end, which literally could be good or bad, you know? It it doesn't completely mean that they're evil, it just, it's whatever way they choose to get to their means. And being cunning means that they can be creative. I think that the the Sorting Hat is more direct in explaining the other three houses than Slytherin because they leave that kind of ambiguous, you decide if you think someone willing to do anything to get what they want is good or bad. Mm-hmm. It does not use any other type of wording for the other houses that suggest 
decide if this is good or bad. Yeah. It's very interesting. Obviously, it's just how the series establishes the negativity of Slytherin from the get-go, really. I mean, obviously, Hagrid has done that already for Harry, but the Sorting Hat song in this... And I think in other books, in later books, it gets better and it's less shitty on Slytherin. But Slytherin is actually... (laughs) There are definitely some that are less specific than this. This one is like... Yes, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good to get Slytherin. This is good, this is... You decide. Yeah. You know, which is interesting. Last episode, I also mentioned tarot. The four houses also, I think, represent the four elements, which you can also see in tarot. So Gryffindor's fire, or wands, is the suit for that. Ravenclaw is air, which is the suit of swords. Hufflepuff is earth, which is the suit of pentacles. And Slytherin is kind of strange because they're water, which is cups in in the tarot. Mm-hmm. So what each of these mean, fire is action and passion. And I think that matches up very well with Gryffindor. I agree They're with that. very passionate. They're, they move forward, etc. You can say the same thing about in palm reading, too, that you can have a fire hand. And those people tend to be a little bit more dramatic and over the top. Same with fire signs. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm a fire sign. They're a lot bigger, passionate personalities. Okay. The swords and air and Ravenclaw, that matches up extremely well, too. Swords represent intellect and communication and basically the brain. And the swords actually tend to be a little bit more of a harsh card, too. Once you have more swords, once you have more intellect, things can get a little bit more dicey and rough. Which I think is interesting for Ravenclaw, but overall, communications, intellect, Ravenclaw makes sense. Hufflepuffing Earth makes great sense, too. They love herbology. (laughs) Yay, herbology! Herbology! But also, Earth means that you're grounded, that you're calmer, you're more peaceful. That absolutely makes sense with Hufflepuff. In fact, fire and Gryffindor and Earth and Hufflepuff make great sense. So the last one with cups and water and Slytherin, that one is confusing to me because in tarot, cups hold the water and water represents emotion. Okay. So there are times when like the cups will be turned over and it means an outpouring of emotion. Or certain, certain cards will have a figure surrounded by water, but it's calm water, which means they are completely calm in their emotion. Slytherin, I don't necessarily see as the most overly emotional house, only because emotion means a full range of emotion. It's a little bit more mysterious with them, just like what you just said. So oh, I it's think, ambiguous? Yeah. Okay. And so I think in the same way, in the, in the future, we'll definitely see certain characters like Snape, for example, and Draco, absolutely, get wrapped up in certain emotions in ways that I think are at and first... And Scorpius and Albus. Yes. <laughs> in ways that are a little bit more... <laughs> that are a little bit more unexpected because... At this point, they are left a little bit more ambiguous. I hadn't. Yeah. I made the connection about them being aligned with the four elements. Okay. But the other three fit so well, especially Hufflepuff and Gryffindor. Slytherin is the one that is a little bit more of a question mark, and of course, things are more misleading. We we talked a little bit about oh, we think Snape is the bad guy because this happens when it actually turns out being what's his fuck. Uh, Quarrel. Quarrel. Thank you. (laughs) Can I say something in response to all of what you just said? Yeah. So, 
the whole thing with the tarot and like and it's a thing that I know zero about so that is fascinating to me I think it kind of just solidified my own personal um, theories about Slytherin mm -hmm. so Slytherin is very clearly in the series kind of like supposed to represent that it's bad or whatever and that is so surface to me now that I've read the series so many times and I've I spent time with a lot of these Slytherins and I'll use I guess I can use Snape as, as, as a reference tool. I think that JK did that on purpose. Made it a little bit more ambiguous. I think, and here's why. So, and we find out, um, I think in the second book, that Slytherin was the first to leave. Mm -hmm. It's like the Beatles, whoever, you know. <laughs> like, there's got to be someone who was the first to leave and... Of course, it was John Lennon who was like, yeah, peace out, bitches. Anyway, you can take that out. Oh, uh, John Slytherin is... John Slytherin. Oh, my God. John Lennon is a Slytherin. That's what they, you're basically saying. I approve. Uh, kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll have that conversation later. No, but really... So, Slytherin was the first to leave because he had very, very specific views that even though they took the time and the four best friend founders like created the school together and obviously they were aligned quite well to get to the point where they created the school and they made their decisions on how it would work and then it got down to something that was clearly very important to Slytherin and so he feels that he left and he's like yeah fuck you all I'm leaving P.S. left a monster in the basement <laughs> you know <laughs> spoilers I think that we're supposed to meet all these Slytherins and have those feelings toward them that you're just like I don't because at the end of the story, and we don't have to like go into detail, there's only a few Slytherins that are like 100%. You're like, that guy sucks. Yeah. Even Lucius Malfoy mm -hmm. sucks, but he's, he's kind of weak too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like You have these people and you can see that there's these weaknesses. And Slytherin, when you look at Slytherin House, weak is kind of not acceptable. So then you get to meet all these little Slytherins along the way and you get to see their weaknesses kind of like yeah. come out. Obviously Draco is, is the biggest um, surface one and then Snape yeah. is kind of the biggest background one. But I mean, even, even Voldemort has these weaknesses that you kind of see. And when we're talking about this and how all of these things are positive about these other three houses and then there's a, this ambiguousness about Slytherin, because there's something else there. And to me, I've always just felt like Slytherin was like not allowed to be weak, not allowed to be soft, not allowed to be emotional, which is cool that you made that comment yeah. about the cups. Those are the characters that you see just the little pieces of. Mm -hmm. The little pieces of them kind of losing that hardness that is associated with Slytherin. Yeah. And so I don't think that J.K. Rowling was like, yeah, the Slytherins are just evil and like throw it away. Oh, There's yeah. a reason why it's written that way. That one and really... and to like make it clear to children that's <laughs> yeah, that's a really really good tie back into the emotion, a way and a great way to view it. I think of Narcissa. She is like the first one that you made me think of, right? Because I cannot wait to talk about all that later <laughs> I know. too. When it's like Ugh. I know we're gonna say that a lot. <laughs> Maybe that that's our ta tagline. We can't wait to talk about this. Can't later. wait to talk about this later. Ah, uh, I love it. <laughs> we're, pro we're procrastinators, essentially. <laughs> no. And then the other thing that you mentioned, we had already talked about how Harry grows. Right now, he is this unsure kid. I, the, the one of the other things I didn't mention earlier is when he is 
th- th- they're naming all of these people for for sorting. He says it feels like being chosen last, and it goes back to maybe I don't belong. Very unsure. Is this all a dream? Is this all too good? And then we see him grow. Hermione, we see her grow. It's in the same way that right now it's kind of being established in this ambiguous way, but then we see all these Slytherins grow as well. Right. It's really nice to already start to see the foundation of that and know that all of this growth is going to happen. Which, not to get like too far away from that, but I think that this belongs in this conversation. I don't know that J.K. Rowling had Cursed Child in her head when she wrote this, but it ties in real nicely. Yeah. It really does. So looking forward to that, too. Oh, yes. We are actually, well, we're seeing it in a couple weeks, too, which is going to be... Two weeks from today! Oh, my God! (laughs) We are going to be exhausted in two weeks from today. (laughs) We'll be exhausted from sobbing. Yes. Anyway, I just want to talk really quick about, like, the last little section. I think it's amusing how Percy is very clearly creepy about Snape. He's like, oh... Professor Snape is clearly after Quirrell's job. It's very interesting because, like, you see that all the students view him as just this fucking creep, which he is. Um, but anyway, I just, I find that to be really funny that I almost feel like it's Percy trying to be cool. Like, oh yeah, and that's the guy that no one likes. I just, because Percy is so fucking lame. <laughs> I just, I thought I wrote that down. Um, and then I wanted to talk about Dumbledore's speech, other than, like, the questionable thing. Oh, so I can't believe we didn't mention that. Cute. Yeah. Like, how he, like, gives a look over to the twins. And, like, he's so personable. He also says one of my favorite lines in the whole series. Was it the one about Oddment and Tweak? No, it's his actual speech later. (laughs) Yes, Oddment and Tweak um, is when he says, right before, or right after, they sing the school song or whatever. And he's like, ah, music and magic beyond all we do here. And I'm like, I love that because, you know, I love music so much. And it's, it's a thing that's not really touchable in Wizarding World. Like, you're like, oh, music, you know, and you learn a, lot, a little bit about musical artists. Yeah. But it's really not much, and I love that. No, Bailey. No. Bailey is trying to give her she two cents. She wants to be there. You haven't read these books, so shut up. Okay, so I have a question for you to close with. Yes. What song do you think Dumbledore sang the school song to? What tune? My Neck, My Back. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. Uh, I think think he sings it to the tune of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Oh my god, your answer's correct. (laughs) Anyway. Oh my god. A real quick quick book-to-movie comparison, because there's a lot of differences that are very well handled in this chapter. Because as I was reading this, I think... This did, like, the best job so far. Like, down to, like, very small details. Like, I, I really, really am proud of it. But there are some very minute details that I think are worth bringing up. Absolutely. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Oh, you're very minute t- details. I think, I think you have them written down and I don't. <laughs> I, I, really, I really don't have them written down. Um, the biggest one for me um, is just... So in the movie, this is where you meet Draco, is at this point yeah, in the movie. Yeah, that's true. Which, you know, we've met Draco a couple of chapters back now in the book. And I think, I think again, they did a nice job of being like, well, we have to establish this child somewhere. This works. It, it basically does a really nice job of wrapping up, uh, kind of setting up the, the Weasley-Malfoy thing that happens in book two right away. Because Malfoy is like, you're a Weasley and you suck, whatever. Mm. Um, you get to have... 
Neville and Trevor and that little moment with McGonagall, like all of that being established there, you get to see. And here's the thing. The most important part of this chapter in the movie, at least, is seeing Dame Maggie Smith just to be herself. Well, that and then I really, really think... Hogwarts and like getting to see the the hall like oh the great one hall of the, one of the things I wrote is down beautiful. I mean, you've been to my house many many times and you know that I don't like to open the windows like it's very dark in my house. But man, if I could have like a thousand floating candles throughout my house, that would be fine. Like, like I, I would do that. That would yes. be fine. I'll, just the the aesthetics are so pleasing to me about all of this and again something that I mentioned earlier about. All these different things that we take for granted that is now magical in their world and so much cooler, like the way that the food appears. And right. Another thing I even wrote, um, you touched on something in the past episodes about what if the movies were made now and knowing the ability that special effects have these days. I just think of like how amazing the, the sorting hat would be. How cool would it see, like, all the food sprouting? I mean, they do a great job. <laughs> they really, yeah, but you really go do, from but... the first movie in 2001 to when was the last movie last done? Oh, it was, like, 2010 or something? Yeah. Like, there's there's a decade, at least, of in there. Growth. You know, and you see the way the movies look yeah. in the last two movies versus... So, yeah. Even the great. Fantastic Beasts movies. like Well, and those are even more... Mm-hmm. There's Fantastic. So, <laughs> so I think again they have this movie is a huge W. It wins a oh, lot. Oh, it like it does really, really well. Even even if it it's, it does not follow the book perfectly, it tells the story of everything you need to know. And I think shout out to my amazing dude John Cleese as nearly headless Nick because I fucking love John Cleese and I just love that he's in it oh and he does and his does this little like removing his head thing. I love uh, Rupert Grant and Emma Watson's reactions <laughs> and just how like dramatic Rupert how perfect is. they are. It's too. just it's just great For again continue continuing to meet all of these new actors coming into the story. It just just continue to fall in love with the story even more with these movies because they this movie because they do such a great job. This is this is the one where I really think it did the best so far. This is I, this is actually the best movie in terms of book to movie. Now oh. movie wise it's not necessarily the best movie, but book to movie I will fight and fight again that it is No I'm not even just saying this book to movie. I think this chapter to movie did such oh, an yes. excellent job. I agree. I, like I don't even mind some of the changes that they made. I I said earlier how I like almost how Draco is a little bit later because, hey, we get less Draco. But like, <laughs> but also, I, I really was struggling to find something wrong. Um, one of the things, because it's important coming up in when we are giving points and taking away points, but Peeves is not in it. I mean, that's one of the big things. But I don't fucking miss him. And I don't miss Peeves. No. He is what he is. Whatever. So... Who are you giving points to and taking away points? Do I start? I don't I can't remember. We're, this is going to change our episode. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. So I'm giving 10 points to Neville because I love his story. That was something that really stood out to me. Like you said, we forget about it <laughs> later on. It's not even mentioned in the movie. That might be mm-hmm. one thing that movie could have improved upon. Five points to Dumbledore because I think, unlike when we saw him earlier and he left a baby on the front porch... You get so much more of the whimsical nature of his personality and how it's so wonderful. And you're not going to like this. 
but 50 points to whoever wrote that Hogwarts fight song. You know, everyone has preferences. I love the Hogwarts fight song. I love, I love it. The whole thing I don't hate it. it. I just think I just think the lyrics are after the Sorting Hat song. It does nothing except for amuse me, and I like amusing, but I'm still looking for exposition because I'm so yes. into the story. I was very close to getting points to the, the Sorting Hat too, but then I heard in my head the voice of Terry saying, "You need to take less time on your." Point giving. Yes, <laughs> you do. <laughs> Moving on. So then, the, the, where I'm taking away points, uh, this is why I had to bring him up. Uh, ten points from Peeves, because I fucking hate Peeves. Same. And five points away from Quirrell's turban, because of the nightmare. Oh, oh, <laughs> you're so nice. Yes. All right, here we go. Who wins this episode? The Sorting Hat. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm Sorting Hat. mentioned it. Because the Sorting Hat is the only impartial character you ever meet, except for maybe some Hufflepuffs that we never get to know. That's a, that's a really good Like, point. Yeah. yay, Sorting Hat. Also, just the Sorting Hat is the first, like, real relic of Hogwarts that we get to interact with. And, like, kind of the most notable one, obviously. So I love that. And he teaches us things. Yay, Sorting Hat. And Percy loses this for only the purpose that he's just being pompous as fuck. And he's just annoying. Yeah. And it, it kind of sucks because I don't want to hate on Percy yet because he's going to earn that later. Yeah. But someone had to lose and I'm he's just being a pompous little Percy was like, another one. Well, maybe if the, if the if Dumbledore had told the prefix about this or whatever, you know, like, I'm Can fine. you do the entire next episode in that voice? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he was another one too that I had thought about. For me, this is the first time it was very hard for me to find somebody to lose. But then Peeves came in. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is That's why yeah. I just do one and per, per, one of each because yeah. it's so easy to just be like this yeah. and you can come up with a... I think points are fun because then you come up with things like Quirrell's Turban. <laughs> well, there's that. I mean, Quirrell's Turban could win or lose on its own. It's going to lose. <laughs> it's never going to win. <laughs> it smells in there. You know it does. There's nothing win-worthy about that turban. <laughs> So that is the end of this episode. Yes. We probably will have our shit together slightly more in the next episode. And by that, I mean like 0.6%. We prepared. We just didn't show up. We're just up us. <laughs> you know we what? We did the homework. We didn't show up to class. We're, we're adults with full time jobs and That's right. other shit. And I'm just going to make excuses. Okay? We're just not on. Yeah. Thanks. If any of you out there have a. A time turner, please send it to our P.O. box at when we have a P.O. box, we'll give you the number. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, till next time. Yay, basic snitches. We'll see you soon. <laughs> oh, we're gonna. Oh, I did that wrong. Let's start again. Anyway, next time. All of this is staying in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next time we're going to read. Oh my god, that's important. Chapter eight. Eight. The potions. The master. potions master. That fucker. Okay. Till next time. See you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, look. We have an outro now. One more step towards being a little more put together than usual. Basic Snitches produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery and edited by Adam Bowers. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed us. In the future, we hope to have more ways for our listening audience to connect with us and perhaps inspire other segments or elements of the show. We're very new to this and we appreciate your support and input. 
if you would like to get in contact with us. For now, please follow us on Instagram at basicsnitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll catch you soon. Get it? Catch you? Like catching a snitch? <laughs>